the challenge with companies that overuse Slack for communication, especially around work, creates like huge problems around mental health for employees. People feel like they have to be online all the time. Uh, you have loads of unread messages and DMs. And so we were like, hang on, what if we could just make Slack 10x better for those that want to work asynchronously? Hello and welcome to another episode of Good For Profit. Today's guest with us is Adit Trivedi. Adit is co-founder and CEO at Rayday, and Rayday is an app that allows you to share work and manage feedback requests all in one place. It's all about streamlining um, how to communicate and work around projects internally within a team. In today's conversation, we talked about a lot of really interesting things such as neurodiversity and what it takes to build a great team and also spoke about the importance of diversity in the workplace amongst other things. So without further ado, the conversation was fantastic. Let's get right into it. Are, welcome back, my friend. I mean, I say welcome back. So just for uh, for a little bit of context, we recorded this episode back in May and then May. given that Adit is a is a great entrepreneur, <laughs> and I'm using the word entrepreneur here just to just to know you. Um, no, g- genuinely, given that you know the, in the startup world things move so fast, um, and when fast. you speak with founders in the earlier stages, like things change so much, and so we actually decided to re-record it because you guys have been learning so much from the market. You've been iterating, developing, getting users on board, and learning from them, and making changes, right? Can you um can you maybe start by walking us through like just the last since we spoke last time so the last four months um how's that looked for you guys and and what what are you doing now you know mad I'd say it's like learning upon learning and not like setting in on a solution that doesn't solve the problem extremely well so like the mission is always hold true like how do you in this world enable uh, people to work best how they best work um. And all centered around really like employee engagement. Um, but after doing some digging, realized like we had to properly find where the pain points were. And what we found with remote teams is that the bigger you grow, um, the more chaotic distributed work becomes. Um, because typically, <clears throat> well, I mean, I say typically, in an ideal world, the way that distributed and remote teams work best is when they don't take time zone or time difference into account. And that suits asynchronous communication incredibly well. And so we started off thinking about async comms, but like using the word asynchronous, like no one knows really what it is or what it means unless you're remote. Uh, and so like, I'd say like in order to build like something that really does solve a- asynchronous communication at scale, we went on a big, learning journey to understand what those components are um and so that's what we've been doing and we've been testing with different solutions and we ended up realizing like we created our first solution which you know which was on bubble and doing like asynchronous reviews and um feedback and then we started moving into um what was the next one yeah we built a chrome app which allows you to like um request um feedback based on where the information is as in like a widget type thing yeah like a chrome extension and we had users and um they were just like you've got to meet us where we are and that was slack and for a while i was like no we just put in a slack app and actually 
when we started. You weren't too happy with how Slack worked, right? I think like Slack is, and I'm still not right, like Slack is an instant messenger. And I think like the challenge with companies that overuse Slack for communication, especially around work, creates like huge problems around mental health for employees. People feel like they have to be online all the time. Uh, You have loads of unread messages and DMs. And so we were like, hang on, what if we could just make Slack 10x better for those that want to work asynchronously? Um, And that resonated. And so we have companies using us now from uh, Seed and Series A all the way to uh, Series B, Series C. And the question for us, which I'm battling is, you know, you have, so there's two areas, right? You have remote all teams or remote first teams that want to imprint asynchronous uh, communication as a foundation because force uh, remote teams, asynchronous communication is scalable um, and enables you to create sustainable businesses because you're not taking time zone um, into account uh, from day one. Um, And the other side is, fuck, my Slack is way too chaotic. Uh, Please help me. And like we spoke to teams, so we spoke to a company yesterday who have 700 people and they showed us their Slack and fucking hell, it's bonkers. Loads of unread channels. They were saying how like... I, I can imagine because I mean, already even for, for us at QVines, it's crazy. It's we, so we have what, 10 people and I can already see there's a lot of channels that seem unnecessary. There's just, I don't know, there, there is, it just feels a little bit messy already. And that's with only <laughs> with only ten people, so I can imagine what it what it would be like when you're huge. And by the way, really well done on getting those those years in, man. Congratulations on getting the, the, those big startups in. That's no, really thanks, awesome. man. I think look, we're still like super early, so it's again still mm-hmm. early doors. But I think the vision is now grand enough with like we can clearly see like oh, well, I mean, in our minds we can see like what the product could potentially look like with the product vision, um, and it's now like taking those minuscule steps to get there by understanding and working Mm. through like, what's the biggest problem now? And one is in Slack, how do you actually automate the process of requests? So people requesting typically um, by email or by Slack, um, but typically on Slack, can you get this done for me? Can you review this PR? Um, I'm thinking about doing this in a couple of weeks. So I'm thinking about where the company should be. Can you give your thoughts and feedback? And what happens is, if you get the loudest person in the room uh, or the loudest people in the room hogging a thread, which means that the other people don't contribute or you ask for Mm -hmm. something and it just is a long process to try and get people to do the thing and it creates loads of distractions. And with asynchronous, Mm -hmm. the whole point is you've got to assume that everyone is offline. And so you provide as much context as possible at the beginning and you ask for things in like micro doses uh, and it's like smallest, right. like one atomic unit part. Um, okay, and so, yeah, we've, we've, um, we've taken that first route. How, how do you, how, I mean, if you can't dive into this yet, it's okay, obviously, but how do you guys work around the notification? Cause like, you still need to have a, you still are going to get notified yeah. that somebody's requesting something, right? So we actually want to do things slightly differently because most things that people send for people to do aren't actually urgent. Um, And if you assume that people are offline at a given time and you've planned correctly, then like a couple of days even is totally fine. I think for the instance, 
things that need to get done. Ah, there's this bug that is on fire. That means the app isn't working. Yeah, let's sort this out. But like, if something's an emergency, typically you just get on the phone or text someone. Um, Yeah. But most things aren't urgent. And so how can you like minimize distractions? So now back to your question on notifications, we want to actually take the opposite route and give users the power of like enabling when they get notified where. So like we're thinking about how users can say bulk up my requests um, all towards the end of the day and then notify me and then show me those requests based on like urgency levels or priority levels. Um, you may choose to get notified for things at lunchtime and at um, your evening time. Um, you okay. may choose to want to yeah. get notified all of the morning, but don't bother me afternoon to evening because I'm in deep work and flow. And so how do you generally put the power back into um, people's hands um, and give them the opportunity to like own their working schedule? That's very, very cool. Wow. Yeah, because... Um... You're so right about things not being urgent all the time. I think I think we tend to make things seem more urgent than they are. Um, and I think part of it comes down to the... I mean, we do need to move fast in startups. And so part of it comes down mm-hmm. to that necessity to be to be moving fast. And I think if, if not done carefully, what that can do, and I'm, I am 100% at fault here as well with this, is um, just th- things feel more urgent than they perhaps are. And, and you kind of pass that on to the rest of the team, right? You end up like... Yeah. yeah. I mean, you find it funny, right? Like, <laughs> it's often the counterintuitive things that like actually work. And so like with us working mm-hmm. asynchronously, and we're we just hired another engineer um, and they're based in Mongolia. Um, that's an eight-hour time difference. Um, but having worked asynchronously now for a while... Um, we found at least that it actually boosts up um, and speed of learnings because people are able to go into deep work a lot faster without interruptions. Like even our slacks, bro, we're always offline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's actually quite funny. If you look at how Slack is used by Slack, you will quickly see that, you know, like basically I think the founders of Slack wanted a similar thing similarish thing i think originally like they did not i don't know if it was around asynchronous necessarily but from what i read what i remember um is that they actually wanted to enable people to just have a better messaging experience compared with email um things can be more organized you can get notifications when sort of you can be offline when you're not working and so on and so if you look at how slack is used internally it seems that there is a bit of a specific methodology that Slack would use when they're using their own app, messaging app. Um, but that hasn't seemed to have translated over to everybody else. I, I mean, I, I don't know why that is. It, it could be a bunch of different things. Um, I think we have a slight lag, by the way. But yeah, so if I cut you off yeah. by accident, sorry about that. No, good, good. <laughs> um, I think like a lot of the things to do with Slack, you try and replicate what you know, which is like, being in the office, right? And being in the office, you can like nudge someone if you need them. But like, I wonder how many people that went to the office and actually got productive work done from like nine to 12 took, or nine to one took a lunch break and then was productive two to five and then had to travel for all the hours they did only to like not, only to like not actually be productive in the office and actually get their shit done at home. 
Um, and I think like- oh, I, I can speak from my own experience. I mean, for, for me personally, if I go to the office, I take into account that I'm, I'm there's going to be like two hours of just, you know, stuff, not, not doing much in between <laughs> somewhere because, because you're talking to people, you're like, you know, there's somebody sat there that mentioned something and you get cut off and you talk to them or whatever. Um, and I, I actually think about that in advance. I kind of take that into account in a way I kind of, cause I'm a, I'm quite an outgoing person. So I quite like talking to people just randomly about random stuff, whether it's work related or not. And so I don't mind the interruption too much, but only when it's planned for in a way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I will have to go and just put, either put my headphones in or sit in another room somewhere and actually get my head down and work to make sure that I'm like being really productive when I'm in the office. So yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm bigging up asynchronous a lot, but like I'm super extrovert, bruv. But for us Mm. as a team, I think like we found like we've built huge trust by when we call each other, we actually use it to build personal relationships. I think like the things to do with work can happen asynchronously. But again, if things are going back and forth, it's easier to just jump on a call. So book in a call, but there it has a clear agenda and a clear outcome. And I think it's like, Mm you end up saving bare time. And if actually, say you're productive from like, I don't know, with me, I'm good from like eight to 12, then I'll hit the gym, then I'm a bit slumpy. And then by four o'clock, I'll pick it up. So I traditionally, I typically won't even work from 12 to four. Then I'll crack on from like four to seven. I'll get more done in the four That's to brilliant. seven and a lot of people will get done from like 10 to four. So I think it's like um, understanding what, works well for you i know some devs that like get busy all night long and then morning up mm-hmm. until early afternoon they're just slumped and like if they're doing better work and more work of it sure, it doesn't matter at that points then like who am i to say nah you need to change all that to work like nine to five but i think those days are are gone and i think the more companies going remote um the more challenges they're starting to now find um being productive on a in office uh, sync schedule. Mm. It's actually a really good point. I mean, it's long, it's long been known kind of thing that, or maybe just not talked about enough, but it has been known in the back of our heads that not everyone works the same way. Some people prefer yeah. to sleep in the morning and then get up late and, and start working later. Some people prefer to work a bit more during the night. Some people prefer to work in the afternoon, in the evening. Um, and even sometimes just works better around people's schedules with, with others. I mean, where, where, where this whole nine to five thing came from and why we've just kept it and not questioned it for so long is probably just the fear of change or what might happen. And, and or maybe just like, you know, if it were, if it's not broken, don't fix it kind of thing, but maybe it is broken. And maybe it, it does need fixing. <laughs> I think it was broken yeah. because otherwise like it <laughs> would happen. Like most people would have just returned to that setting or wouldn't have rebelled like you most people have heard of like the great resignation and now it's like quiet quitting mm-hmm. bro like quiet quitting has been a thing yeah. for like decades <laughs> it's not nothing yeah new, yeah it's it's not a new thing no no it's not a new thing at all it, it's a new term going around but it's it's not a and and for everyone's knowledge like and correct me if i'm wrong on this but quiet quitting essentially is just when you effectively just start doing the bare minimum at work um to, just i think to, like, it's more just the days to go by but that's pretty much yeah You've quit. Like, I remember I had an internship at JP Morgan, bruv. I quit from like yeah. day one, med day two mentally. I was like, this is bullshit work, bro. <laughs> so, like, again, right. I would do the bare minimum, but in my mind, I was like, I really don't care about this. And I think that's a mm. dangerous position to have anyone in your company in where they're like, 
yeah definitely. i don't think this can work or like i'm done i think especially in startups like we've had to restructure the team uh back in march i let some people go uh and we're more productive as a three than we were as a five six um and i think yeah. it's testament to like the trust we've built within each other um but also just allowing us to work on like our own schedules um, and knowing mm. that like we trust each other to get the work done. Everyone has a growth mindset here. And so, you know, quiet quitting, especially for startups with any first hires can, I think, very much kill you as a business. Absolutely. I mean, money is, is the it's the hardest thing is actually surviving and, and getting by and having enough cash in the bank to pay people and having a long enough runway and so on. Yeah, and facts. if you're, if you have the wrong people in the business and, and they're there for months, that that's, that's a huge problem. That's a huge issue. We had to restructure a few things and like now we've got run rate, even with this new engineering hire uh, till March, 2024. And I think we'll be in a good, strong position. To... <laughs> I think we'll be in a strong position to raise by like, february next year but for me it's less about time scale it's more about like do we understand the core building blocks that like really enable asynchronous communication at scale um that is validated to some extent and then you can easily go and raise like a two three four five six million seed round saying you know we validated this we've got early users who love this here this is our icp this is um, how it grows within an account. These are the people we target. This is the specific problem we're solving. And this is the big vision we're now looking to capture. It then becomes a no-brainer. Um, but I think most people go out and fundraise um, not really knowing actually why they want, need, want or need the money in the first place other than we need to survive. And I think that is the most unsexiest offering <laughs> that could be put on the table. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, we got, yeah, I mean, because you've got you've got some things on your belt already, right? Some some uh, experiments, let's call them. Um, well, I mean, I co-founded that went up to near Series B. That's still that's still doing really well today. Um, but I think that was more my battleground for now. What we're doing here, uh, which I'm very grateful for otherwise <laughs> i'd be running around as like a headless chicken i mean you're still running around like a headless chicken i think like any business you do it it it's just as difficult you just make less of the more obvious fuck-ups <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely tell me about it man um yeah it's, it's definitely it definitely sounds a lot sexier in the box uh on on the tin like to, to actually start a business and, and go and try and solve a problem out there. Uh, and there's so many mistakes that can be made along the way. Um, I remember speaking with, um, I'm speaking with an investor who, who was satisfied with having a 60 to 70% uh, win rate when it comes to decisions. So like basically the, like what he'd look for in founders is, you know, if, if he knows someone and he knows that they get roughly every six to seven out of 10 decisions, right, then he'll invest in them. Because it's just about fifty percent, so it means that you overall you're winning essentially. So like it, it's not even they're not they, <laughs> they're not looking for uh, they're not looking for like anyone to get all decisions right because that's freaking impossible. But if you can get six out of ten right, then that's good enough. Rob, I'd be wrong. Six out of ten is yeah. 
I don't know anyone, even like friends who are successful founders right now that are like yeah. Series B C or like close to IPO, uh, they don't get six out of ten right, bro. <laughs> I think six yeah. out of ten right is like a if you're nailing that, you're probably getting it in every tier one VC like lining up your door. Um, because it's a probability game. Yeah. I think like yeah. as long as most founders probably get and not even founders, most teams probably get like at the beginning, like one in a hundred, right? And then that starts to decrease and decrease and decrease, right? And then it turns to like and get better and better. One, time. two and ten, yeah. three and ten. But like if you can validate and invalidate things cheaply, actually what mm. really matters is learning. So like we ain't done a lot of things right, bro, at Radio even. Like, and it's been a year. Because if we had, we would have we found product market fit by now and we'd be scaling like no tomorrow. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a lot harder so, than, it, than it sounds. I think more so it's less about getting decisions right. It's more about how fast are you learning uh, from potential users um, to understand whether you're, you've nailed what the problem is and then how many iterations can you go through and learnings with the team to ensure that you get the solution right? And so I mm. think it's more about that pace of learning than it is about getting anything right. Because like eight out of 10 things you'll be wrong about. Maybe even nine, probably even nine. Um, but yeah, so that's why I probably disagree. Yeah. But I, <laughs> who am I? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, no, for- <laughs> no, no, so it's, a, <laughs> it's a fair point. I mean, you have built a business in the past as well and, and you've taken it quite far. So de- definitely you've got, a, you've, got um, you've got more than enough, what's the word? More than experience. enough reason to comment on this and, and have something to say about it. Yeah, exactly. You've got experience. Yeah, I just think it um, sets like unexpected expectations, isn't it? Like if it's like... It's a, it's a fair point, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I I think I think when we were talking, I think I think it was meant more as a like a, a in a general sense, just getting decisions right, like you know, it, hiring the correct people and and like in in an overall kind of sense, rather than just about maybe building the right thing. Um, ah, so or that I see what you yeah, mean. It was more um, of like a general, like it's basically it's about win, like winning. It's about it being more than half of the decisions being right, so that. Just overall, like not just when it comes to product or building the business. Yeah, um, I think over time, yeah. like your decisions, like the more things you, you get right, the more closer you probably are to PMF. Um, at least I heard from a podcast. Yeah. But I think at the early stages, you like be prepared to be wrong like ninety nine percent of the time. Uh, and I think that's yeah, why yeah, founders don't get past and, the and validate it. Yeah, I think that's why like starters don't yeah. starters founders don't get past the starting line because. They're so fixated on their idea with like no validation and no like, and what I mean is like real validation, not some fucking McKinsey Gartner report, which says, duh, 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 duh. No, like, even those people have, like, even those people like these consultants that have written the paper, they've never built a business. How the fuck are they to know? Like, yes, the, the macro yeah. trend might be going this way. No one can predict the future, but like, you it's, can it's always the funniest thing in the world people. when you have someone say to you something like, you know, um, Oh, I studied this at university and I've got a master's in this. Therefore, I know my shit. <laughs> it's uh, like you can like teach someone turn around being like, "Yeah, you just you just you can't." It's like someone turn around saying, "Oh, I have a I have an MSc in in marketing. Thank you very much." Like, don't tell me <laughs> how to do marketing or don't tell me something about it. I'm like, like, 
excuse me, yeah. mate. I'm so sorry. Apologies. Didn't realize you're a fucking expert in this. <laughs> oh god, it, this shit can't be taught at uni, man. Like, I, I think, I agree. Yeah, this shit just can't be taught at uni. It's, I think you've got you have to get out into in the field and actually do it firsthand. You, you got to get thrown in the trenches, man. Like, uh, I don't know yep. if it was and up make to a school, lot of mistakes. <laughs> bruv, like, I didn't get into any entrepreneurship yeah. classes in like uni, and I felt all these like all these uni groups were like so like culty. And like to themselves, I look back and not in an arrogant way, but I look back and be like, mm. where the fuck are all of you lot now, bruv? You all got normal jobs that like you never, you always put on a front. You never really went out and actually tried to get it. And like, fair enough. Like if you've tried to get it and it didn't work, like, and you gave it your rule and you tried like every angle you yeah. possibly could to make it work. Um, but I don't know, man, there's too many... I think there's just too many talkers these days. And and one term I actually learned from Zach, which I'm trying to uh, embrace uh, wholeheartedly is this. I'm sorry, Zach is... is... Zach's my co-founder uh, and CPO. And, and he, he basically runs product and uh, tech. At, at. So he taught me this term, right? And it's called quiet confidence. And like, he's like, because I'd be in these rooms at one point and I'd feel like subconsciously or unconsciously are like, do I deserve to be here just because of the environment we all grew up in and like come from ends and do you get what I'm saying? You see all these things, you're like, mm, should I even be here? It's like, no, nah, bruv, like you have every right, if not more rights than most of these people because they've never done two companies before, one being like pretty successful. And it was like, you ain't got to speak about it, like show, don't tell. And there's, there's we coined it as this phrase called quiet confidence. I think like the real OGs who do well is again the counterintuitive point to social media. They don't like gas themselves um, on social media a lot, and a lot of the successful dons aren't even on social media like that. They ain't even posting like that. And so, how can you like fully embrace this sense of like quiet confidence? Because that also shows like you're complete and whole and uh, within yourself. Uh, and so that's something I try and like take forward now. Um, but before, like, if you didn't know me, you'd be like, why is he saying all these things? Or like, fucking don't make me feel bad. <laughs> uh, so yeah, man. Uh, I, th- I think it's, um, I, I think I, I actually, I, I agree with you. Um, definitely for the most part, I think it's a bit of both as well. I think it's, um, you definitely get people who talk a lot on social media who are worth their salt, but you get a lot more people who talk on social media who aren't. You got a lot more people talking on social media who actually aren't really achieving that much, but it's just a lot of noise and knowing how to get an audience going, essentially. Because they still have a following, right? They still have a lot of people listening to them and stuff. But what they're very yeah. good at is basically marketing themselves as opposed to actually... Maybe that's the job. Maybe maybe you should hire them as our social media managers and like... Yeah. Can, nah, I don't know. You like, know bring, yeah. bring, bring, bring the companies yeah. a lot of following. That's the skill. I- now, I tell you what, I learned a story <laughs> of a guy who, of the guy who founded EasyJet. And my man, like, no one okay. knows what he looks like. He will sit on his flights in economy. He, he is, yeah, brilliant. he's brilliant. He's the wow. undercover John, right? And he'll, like, be able to wow. get on trains and, like, he speaks humbly and calmly to people. And, like, that's something yeah. uh, that I uh, defo see myself doing, if I take it that far. Um, or if I sell that's my shows. And yeah, and e- Easy is huge. Easy is massive. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not just about the Jets, right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a big company. 
Um, I can't remember where he's from. I want to say like South American, Spanish, something like that. I have no idea. Um, Easy jet, panda. Um, Stelios, yeah, what a G, bro. Uh, Greek guy. Oh, there you go. Greek, yes. Greek Cypriot. Brilliant. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, I remember hearing the story um, just about Easy Group in general and like actually realizing how big it is. It's not just about EasyJet, and I was pretty, it's pretty fascinated. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a big business. It is huge. Yeah, it, it's incredible, man. So hopefully, uh, I, I see, I mean, hope, hopefully one day we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to that level. Um, you know, I, I was about to say, I see no reason why uh, you can't do it because that's the, uh, the, the, the person who believes in humanity in me that wants to say that to you. And also because I, I know how hard you work and from our conversation last time compared to where you are now and how quickly you guys are adapting and iterating, you know, it, it looks like it's, it's, it's really kind of moving quite fast, which is incredible. Um, but I also understand that how tough it is to grow <laughs> businesses. And, and I've, I've never, I've never had the pleasure of growing one properly myself. Um, but from people I've spoken with around me who have done that, it, it just, the challenges keep on coming. It's, it's not a, you know, it's, Bro, it's I don't like, think it is. In fact, they're just different. It's just I different, think it's different challenges, challenges every right? Time. Like once you've found product market fit, it's about like building a company and like, it's about continuing yeah. to hire people that are better than you, that you fundamentally trust, but enabling them to hire people better than them that they fundamentally trust. Cause that trust thing just cannot, idea in the idea world cannot be broken. Um, I think like the challenges are like when you get to a company of like 70, 75, unless you're the CEO, you're going down into a specific function. Now that means like some parts of your role just completely change. It ends up becoming about people and management and fucking culture and policies. And I don't know, man, I think like I have no I have no want to grow a company bigger than like 15 or 20 people, 25 max. Um, WhatsApp style. Yeah, WhatsApp style, Instagram style. I think these types of products that we're building uh, don't require um, a lot of employees. Now, I might be completely wrong and actually we're going to need a ton of engineers, quite a few designers and uh, people on customer support. Um, But yeah, I, I generally have no ambitions to yeah I, I think um yeah i think i kind of get your point i think i mean i remember reading about you know like if you look at really uh, a lot of bigger ceos um and lies in like in bigger companies there's also a lot of time that gets spent doing legal stuff that a lot of people don't realize and you know like you're getting sued left right and center by like ex-employees and and whatever the hell out there who thinks they have a claim for whatever crap that's going on and it, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun, to be honest with you. <laughs> to, to be honest, I'm, I'm good, bro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you might um, have no choice. So, yeah, I'm, I might I'm sure have you'll no be up choice. for the challenge might, if it gets to it. I also might not be suited for that stage of the business, right? I might be sure. the guy. Yeah, yeah, fair play. Early stage figures out a problem to solve, builds the early team, solves a problem, mm. finds product market fit, scales to some extent, and then passes the baton off to like someone else. Uh, and it's not bad right like with Lingumi I hired people better than me I left all my shares are still intact I'm still their biggest shareholder um, along with Toby Uh, I'm sure that will change soon when they raise their next round and they're like hey you gotta 
decrease your value. I'm like, well, sure. give me a good price. <laughs> then I'll go <laughs> on that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's about like understanding. I don't know, man, like there's too much. I feel like media completely confuzzles people's minds. Like if you know who you are and you understand like what your strengths are. Yeah, but most people don't. Yeah, but it's, it's most, most people don't. I, I, I wouldn't even say, I mean, I, I don't either. Like re- realistically speaking, like, you know, there's a lot, fine. There's a lot more I understand about myself now, given everything, what I've tried and things I've tried to build and so on. Um, would I say I completely know myself and what my strengths are yet? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can answer that like with 100% confidence and be like, yes, I do. Yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> I think I'm close to it. I think it's taken years of like experimenting even with myself, like activities, going out, doing different cool. things. What friends do I enjoy chilling with? Why, who gives me energy? What do I get energy from? What am I good at? What do my close yeah. people say about me? Da, 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 da. But I think that's taken years of like external coaching and uh, uh, just like actually taking the time to sit with myself and like try and figure these things out. And then try and like validate. So mm. I've been doing Thai boxing for like three months. It's fucking relentless. Like it is one of the hardest wow. physical things I've ever done. But hey, like I also love going to the gym. I love going for walks um, and extended walks. I like going for small hikes, like spending time with my partner, um, friends. And I think like beyond work, uh, those are things I enjoy. So like, I'm doing more of it. Um, and that's what remote allows me to like I can go gym and then go for a walk from like 12 to 2 12 to 3 12 to fucking 4 if I wanted to as long as I get my work done it doesn't matter about like the hours I put in as long as the quality is at a high standard then yeah that's so true that's actually very true Um, yeah it's, it's really interesting man I think a lot of this can be applied a lot more easily than than people realize i mean i'm I'm just thinking about it. i'm thinking out loud here because like you know for me it's uh we we have a bit like we have a bit of a loose structure in, in as in it, it's very remote people like there we, there's no check-in on like oh what time are you working from blah 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 to blah blah or whatever but there's definitely a culture of you know we are a, a sort of a nine to five roughly speaking and and like the work is kind of usually within that range, um, but I've never really, or, or I don't know. Like I suppose, yeah, we've never stopped and questioned that. Like, is that? I think um, it depends, right? Why so are we like, doing that? I, well, I, I, I but, could but, probably give an yeah. answer. Like, I think if you were less client facing as a company, then it could potentially warrant like asynchronous to be really great. I think for some client facing. Mm companies and roles it is quite hard but i think for like digital and tech companies that fundamentally like building products uh especially if it's self-serve right especially if it's self-serve yeah yeah i I think that's the trick because if you have to have people on the call uh on a sales call on a on a demo call you have to have people networking connecting with people in different businesses and so on like if there if there's a lot of synchronous element to what to to get in the product out there and selling it and so on then immediately that puts uh, at least some teams will need to be working synchronously oh but you're 100%. right if it's uh i think you can yeah. blend the two right i think initially yeah. like our companies that are fully synchronous would start is you'd work out like things that can be automated and there's no good solution for this i'd say like that's why we're trying to build this because like if mm. we can 
if we can genuinely help more companies be asynchronous and we can genuinely make people feel more better, you boost mental health, you boost yeah. productivity, you make people happier. And therefore, you accomplish yeah. the mission, right? Enable people to work how they best work. No. Uh, work best how you best work. Um, and so if you can actually, you actually then as a result of, of these things, enable that. And so for us, it's like, let's focus on completely remote distributed teams um, and help them enable asynchronous for them at scale. Uh, then once you've completed the whole, like the one use case, then you start moving across. Um, but hey, yeah. there's enough uh, remote all companies for us to be busy for the next five to 10 years. No, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it's really interesting to see how how you guys are really moving and solving that bigger problem. Um, I remember with Rayday previously, we tried it. Um, we tried it, we used it, we thought it was brilliant for helping provide a structure, first of all, around um, you know ideas and voting on ideas and so on. We thought that was brilliant. Um, and I don't know how much of that you've kept and how much you've changed. Can you maybe yeah, so walk us through yeah, a bit of that? Those things, like people think we've like pivoted a number of times. No, we've, we've like, these are different hypotheses that we've been validating because the aim is to build a big business. I think like the challenge a lot of people face is they focus on one problem, solve that really well, but then, okay, like what did the other pieces look like? And it's too late because then you can't sell your vision with data backing it up. Um, and so like, again, the things around structured reviews, uh, will be the one slice off this pipe, but another slice is also requests. And so I think for like, for asynchronous to go like, especially well, I think you need like three things, like you need ultimate transparency, like things have to be over communicated because you're assuming that no one's online at any time. Um, you have to be way more structured with your communication having context um and as i said before you have to be able to break things down into like their one or two atomic units parts and then the other is like default to action so like asynchronous really values progress over perfection and so how can we continue making progress continuing and like that suits us as an early stage startup too because for me i know the way, rate that we're learning the companies we're speaking to and uh, and and the way the solutions are raying I will not very easily, but quite easily be able to say, oh, by the way, uh, this is the big vision of which it equates to these slices of the pie, of which we've shown these teams using it here with this feedback and validating that this can work and these are the outcomes. And within this like pie, we've like, we've named all the things that make up the pie and like, Request is what we've gone deeper into and what we've started on. Within request, this is like the ideal customer profile. So they are a senior developer or senior product manager or a, or a, a product leading founder um, of which they then drive um, the solution to like N entities within the organization of which they then start to funnel. And you see how this spreads across the organization. And for us, once we can solve I wouldn't say solve, but once we can enable asynchronous communication for um, the few companies that we've chosen to like go deeper with, um, then you've got all the like 
check boxes for raising a big grant because macro trend is isn't going away like more companies are going remote and adopt and becoming fully remote um <clears throat> with the bigger companies like slack and messaging just does become really chaotic at scale um especially when you're distributed and if you can then show that they use your solution uh to solve that problem and that this goes across the entire organization and that like you're giving enough value where people are paying five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten dollars uh, per user per month. You know, the world is your oyster, so to speak. Um, sure. But I don't know, man. At every stage, it gets fucking more difficult with m- more bigger <laughs> problems and more responsibilities. So uh, it's a hidden and curse. And more complexity you... as well. And way more complexity. <laughs> no, it's, it's like when you're playing a chess game. Like, you know, once you make the first move, then there's a lot more moves you can make. And then once you make the second move, there's even more moves and so on. So yeah. eventually there's like an endless, literally infinite number of moves you can make. So, Agreed. so yeah, the complexity increases exponentially in, in, in many ways. Um, it, it's really interesting. I think like for founders listening, I'm, I'm really curious to, I feel like the way you're going about it is very organized. I think that might be one way to, to say it. Like the way, at least from the outside, it looks very organized, the way you're testing different hypotheses, different features and so on. And you're not afraid to take your time with it. I think that's really cool. No. Um, I think we've got the run rate that en- enables us to unlike patient enough investors who are like, these guys are figuring it out. They're going down the right angle. Some have even said like, why don't you raise another round now? Um, but as I mentioned earlier, like, I don't know what I'd spend it for. So like, you know, I'm not a hustler. <laughs> I'm not going to rob people's money and let it sit in the bank without like a plan of action. And listen, like Mike Tyson says, right, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And I think like that also holds true for us. Like we have this plan and we've been punched in the face multiple times. I just think we're used to metaphorically uh, over these last like 12 months getting punched in the face continuously. Um, because like we've had this release, these release sets of releases before and like, we were all excited and then no one uses it. And then we did dig in and like people aren't even responding back. And I think the hard thing about startups in the early days is when no one wants to talk to you and no one wants to use your shit. So like what work are people actually doing? Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's the first hurdle to get over, like find a group of people who actually give a shit about what, <laughs> what you're building. What you're trying to solve. Yeah. 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 I think there's great advice. Um, how, how did you go about finding that first group of people? The first group of people, I'd say internal network, man, like, cause I'd already built one successful ish company, um, which was backed by VCs. Uh, I say ish because it hasn't exited yet or IPO would or, you know, died. So it, it's still going really strong numbers. As well, so, uh, I mean, what what are what do you do? You still keep up with the numbers for that at all, or have you completely just um, handed that over to somebody else now? No, no. So like, me and Toby are still like super close. Um, he's a good oh, friend. Okay, of awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's that's a good great. guy. Man. Okay, that's um, cool. I like him a lot. Um, we still chat. I, all I have time. no doubt. <laughs> uh, yeah, we still chat all the time. So like, I think when the time comes, you know. Um, and I got, I just got this feeling that that my last company had definitely has a chance of going to IPO and all the way. I just got this weird feeling about it because there's certain things which happened over the last month with like supplier teachers, demand of courses, which just have come to fit timing goals. But 
I don't know. I, th- I think they've still got another like four or five year journey before like reaching that stage. So um, hopefully I don't get asked to sell my shares. But if it means like it has more of a chance for the business to succeed uh, and more equity can go into the option pool to hire better people, then like it's a no brainer. Because for me, like we, uh, we started that business to make education accessible and affordable. And I think they're now starting to move past English and accomplish that like really well. So um yeah man however i can help on the on the sidelines i I will wow yeah it's uh it's quite interesting i, I think the, the um, i don't know how relevant this is for you but i know like the world of web3 is also starting to move into education uh and and so on um and, and look at certification and things like that and i don't know whether you guys are exploring that or not but yeah, um, I mean, like even Web three, like I don't, I don't really pay no attention to it. Um, I don't know much on it. I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't to begin with. I didn't, to be honest with you. And and I, I didn't. Let's be completely honest. You know, if you see a wave of, if you see a good wave to surf, and and you can surf a bit of that wave, why the hell not surf that wave? Um, so with a bit of like crypto, I think I, I think it was very it was very clear that there was definitely like a, a some sort of boom happening with crypto and like prices going up and so on. And there is the underlying question of well, what the hell does this actually mean? Like, what is the fundamental value and so on? But also there was a wave, and so you know, in some way, I don't blame people who tried to make a lot of money out of crypto because you know it, it's I mean, it, if it's an opportunity, it's an opportunity. If that will help you in your life, like go for it, man. Exactly. But but also like the underlying tech though is worth a lot. Like look, I think for me like investing like again like shout out all the man and gal that made mad peas during that wave because some people made a lot of money. Um, for me personally though, like I would never invest in something I don't personally understand or see the dynamics. Like if my friends like jump on this wave. I just wouldn't. I just don't think I'd do it. Plus, I I don't I don't enjoy that stuff. I'm not into it. Like I can see myself, um, in the future, investing into like early stage companies. Uh, I can also see myself like buying buying plots of land and building properties and buildings. Like that sounds mega fun. Um, so like these are like types of ventures I'd 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 definitely invest in in the future. But I, yeah, I just don't have a personal interest to Web three. So like even if it's making a shit ton of money. I don't really care because I'm not that interested in it. Maybe I will be in like five, ten years once it's developed. Um, but I don't know. As for now, like I think there's multiple ways to make a shit ton of money. Yeah, yeah. I I think, but but crypto did. I would say it democratized making a shit ton of money because you could start with a very small amount of money. Like the if you think about it in the usual sense, like a lot of things, a lot of things that required, a lot of things that enabled you to make a lot of money required, I would say maybe if I was to boil it down very quickly now, just thinking this as we go along, I'd say maybe three things. Either you have a reasonable amount of money that you can chuck into this thing, or you have a reasonable amount of time that you can chuck into this thing, or you have a reasonable amount of knowledge of how to get a quick buck out of some sort of deal somewhere. But usually it would require, I'd say, even at least two of those things rather than just one of them. What like for example, and if you think you know, like let's say import export, right? You can you spend the time to find suppliers of something that's pretty cool that doesn't exist in this country. You import it. You have a bit of money to start with, and then you get it here, and then you you do it. Do you need to have the knowledge? Not really. You can go and figure that out. 
but but I don't know. I can come up with different analogies here. But the point is that what I think crypto enables a lot of people to do is to have a small amount of money, not much knowledge, <laughs> and a little bit of time, but not even like just a little bit of time to look at where the trends are and what's moving up and down and so on, and then poof, chuck some money in, and you might get pretty lucky and make a lot of money out of it. It is. It it, it was. It was more betting than investing. Let's be honest, man. <laughs> like, it's basically roulette, right? Like, <laughs> if you're a bit good, if you're a bit good at it, and it's basically like poker, right? Like I think, yeah, I don't know, man. Some people made a lot of money. Hats off to them, but they know it was a quick buck, and they know it's gambling. And like, I don't think, I don't think it's a repeatable behavior. Like, say me, I done the first company that went well. I'm doing this one. Touch wood, so far it's doing more, but I mean, it could die, right? Um, as with anything. But that, that then becomes repeatable. You understand what it takes to build a successful company. You find other founders that like have the similar experience so that you've been going for and you see potential. So you put in a bit of money. You hopefully get an SEIS or EIS. So if they fail, you get 50-30% money back. Uh, then that's almost like trading, but in, in more like a whole sense in that like, I, I love startups. So like, I feel like if I was to make money anywhere and a lot of it it'd probably be in uh startups but yeah man some people are like full-time gamblers right and they make a shit like a shit ton of money and like if that's their that's their hustle that's their hustle isn't it yeah I, th- I think it's an interesting one man yeah like i'd uh i i think it's less black and white than people uh try to make it seem with with, with like crypto and investing in crypto and so on um and it also depends like you know if somebody wants to go and if somebody wants to make a lot of money and then use that money to go and start some other business, like proper long-term business, repeatable model and so on, then and like you know, kudos to them. The thing I wanted to say though, the, the beginning of this conversation before we dived into that hole was um, that the underlying tech uh, with Web3 is, is, pretty, is pretty freaking cool. And I think, you know, I think it's gonna, we're going to see more and more of it becoming incorporated into like quote unquote Web2 companies. Cause I, I don't know much about Web3 to be honest with you. Like I, like I said, I, I rode some waves and I think by luck, it, some of them worked out and nothing nothing crazy, nothing major, just a little bit. It's all right. Helped me here and there. Um, but I think now that I'm looking more into it and, and I've become a bit more interested in Web3 recently, I'm sort of starting to see that actually the, 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 there's a lot that can be done there that wouldn't necessarily be enabled with Web2. Um, and one thing I'm really keen to explore is like building products like genuinely building products with uh, with like with with users, and and using and I, I think Web three is a way that you can this because this is a bit that I think you you might be quite interested in. Maybe we can pick this conversation up offline. Um, but yeah, but I think there's there there are ways that you can really get users involved into helping you build an incredible product. And I feel like crypto might have a uh, Web three rather can really enable that. But you mean like them getting paid? Well, like to build or. Like, yeah, so I'm confused. The, we basically there. If you think about, so there's a thing called DAOs, right? Uh, the contract thing, right? What? No, DAOs are like Web three contracts. So DAOs are. Let me get you the exact. So decentralized autonomous organ autonomous organizations, and the idea behind it is that you basically have a lot of people involved in in this one project from a lot of different angles doing different things. And the thing I'm really curious to explore is um, how DAOs can be used to build genuinely user-centric products. 
Because because that to me it, it basically to me what it looks like a DAO is a DAO is a is a way to get a lot of different people from all over the place involved into working on one project. It's kind of like open source, except it's not open source, and people can get people can get rewarded and so on through it. And if you can somehow crack that, then you could literally have users build your product, help you build your product, um, and. If you're smart about that, then That's, it could be quite interesting. Could, so I've got another counterintuitive quote. Go on. Quote, belief. I, I, I'm very big on like counterintuitive things because like typically they're the things that work, I think, in business. But um, the counterintuitive thing is like no user knows the solution they want, but they always know the problem they have. Hmm. I mean, that, that does... I think by that... That that is something I've definitely read a few I mean, times in in like maybe yeah in a few startup books you definitely you definitely hear about that. Um, but t- tell me more from your point of view what you mean by that. So, like Lingumi, if you had asked parents what they wanted, no one would have said some like uh, a teacher that can understand what your child says and throws a video which feels like a real life teacher. Like no, they just wouldn't because it didn't exist. Like. No one would suggest the Ray Day solution because it ha- it doesn't exist. People only know what they know, and they don't know what they don't know. And so that's why I say like it's up to it's up to the team to create like a wavy solution. I think DAOs could make an interesting a- area for like if it was flipped. So like the solution is for employees, and then like DAOs, like you're able probably to give out equity a lot fairly because you can say that 0.5% of the company is owned to this person after like four years. It's on the blockchain with their specific IDs. And so like, it just holds true to them. They can't get fucked in the process. Because like, a lot of employees do get fucked in the process, especially when it comes to options, because they don't understand what the option even means. It's the right to buy at the time you got in. Not many people have 100, 200 grand sitting around. Um, well, no, but you can. Well, but it, to buy it, it, it doesn't have to be bought with cash. It can be discounted from the sale price. So it's um, so you don't necessarily have to always have cash up front to pay for it. It depends on it depends, it depends on how it's them. exited, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. I see like Web three being or blockchain technology being useful for like. So I do know like stuff on Web three. I okay. know about the online technology. I just. Uh, There'll be some interesting use cases, I think, from an internal perspective. So like mm. internal organization, managing policies, HR, documents, um, and those things. Because like, again, if employers own all documents, for example, and that's done on the blockchain, then when an employee leaves and gives back their laptop, all their personal data is like immediately gone. Mm-hmm. Because you've deleted that like part of the blockchain. Mm. All the things that you need back are instantly done. So that then saves like tens of hours of like of course. Um, people hours um, to, to do the manual work. So th- that makes total sense. Like, I could totally see that as business. But is that something like, there will be someone who wants to spend seven years making that world a reality. For me, it's not something I'm You're that But hey, if I it. saw it, but if I saw it and they had a, a bit of traction and it, it, I aligned with the like, core concept and vision then hey if i had money i'd invest in it sure um, but i would never do it <laughs> yeah uh. no fair fair enough i mean you do have to be interested right in in what you're working on as well otherwise you uh 
maybe when you hit too many roadblocks, it'll be easier to give up. Um, but I think that's the thing. I think you do give up. I think if you're not passionate about something, you end up just not wanting to do the thing anymore after a couple of years. Because it's, cause it's um, difficult. Yeah. Starves are like the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I still keep coming back. <laughs> well, because, but, but also, like, when you start seeing some results <laughs> of your efforts, it's a, it's a real motivator. It's a real booster when, when you see results. Um, however little. Agreed. So, my friend, tell us more about Ray Day. Um, the few, do, do you know much? Can, can you go into the future of Ray Day yet? Or still yeah, experimental phase yeah, and so, so on? Okay, t- tell us more. No, no, no. I mean, the, the vision's like really clear now. Um, for us, it's like, how do you actually enable asynchronous communication at scale um, for all remote teams? Um, the problem is, is that with distributed teams, um, the more people they add in more areas, uh, the trickier it gets to communicate on work. Asynchronous communication is a solution to that. And so it's building a platform that um, enables that at scale. Um, and what we're starting with is a simple Slack app that helps you uh, manage and automate requests. Um, and this stops the problem of like having loads of unread messages, DMs, channels, uh, chasing up people uh, continuously on, oh, have you done this thing? Have you done this thing? Can you do this thing? And providing context um, to people so that they have less distractions in the day and can go more into flow. And at scale, what that looks like is better mental health for your employees, um, a more productive workforce, and um, over time, better results. Um, people in the know-hows and everything. Yeah, man, I think asynchronous is great. For a majority of things in distributed teams, not for everything, um, but for majority. And I, I'm putting this out there now. It's not a Slack competitor. It's not a Slack killer. Like Slack is good for like instant messaging. If there are like big bugs you need to solve out now, you're not just going to go back and forth on on um, on Radar. You probably send a quick like Slack message. That we need to sort this out. Have Slack on one screen, uh, your code on another, and then you you crack on, you crack on with it as a set of engineers. But um, for all the other parts of like working on product and stuff, um, I think this works really well. Are you thinking of integrating into any like task management apps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're thinking about things like Linear, Trello, um, Asana, uh, Monday.com. Um, but still in the works. We need to just we need to first understand like what's the problem that um these uh, integrations solve and one of them is that if you can like teams work across like multiple SaaS stores which lead to like multiple notifications being sent everywhere and it just it's stress it's a nightmare um and so bringing that all into like a central hub where you can see what has been requested of you um and you could set it from the tool itself is um one use case um which needs validation because we have thing but um yeah that's one area we're looking at that's a that's a very very good point because um one thing that comes to mind when i um, immediately when, when people sort of when people say okay well you know it's not that great to get notifications on all different places for example my counter argument to that is always well actually if i'm giving design feedback i want to just leave comments on figma because that's where the Agreed. design team sits that's where they're comfortable that's where they work like why 100%. why drag them out of there into something else right and leave them comments there Agreed. And similar with yeah 
But you're not only, but that design is not only getting notified on Figma. Well, that's exactly it. Many other places. Yeah. So that's why, like, what we do as an example, like, so Zach wrote a Notion doc yesterday. He sent me a request on Rayday saying, oh, can you do this? Because I've actually turned off my notifications on all software. If you need me and you need me to do something, get through Rayday. Because it's just easier. It's just one place to manage something rather than having everything in emails. And that's, that's long. So, like, we're still saying that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just need to sign up. Um you just set a request on Slack. Like it's dead easy. And for me, why I love it is that, like, as a CEO, sometimes I'm thinking about longer term stuff. So I'm like, oh, like people data, like the data security side needs to be like top notch here because people are sending requests on like sometimes very confidential things. Should we fire this person? You can't have that shit leaked, bro. So I was like, oh, I need you to think about it. But I need you to think about it and like and get back to me in the next like four weeks. Let me just set a request on that on Ray, which then lives on the home screen. Um and then reminds them, um, like halfway point, oh don't forget to do this, da, da, da. And then when they're done, they just select the button saying which has Mark has done. And then that will then notify me on Ray Day saying, Hey, they've marked this as done. The future of Ray Day, and I see this coming in the next like three to six months, is that um, aggregation of notifications and enabling users to like um, say when they want to be notified. So like you can add these comments everywhere, da, 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 da. Um, and in Ray Day at the end of the day, it'll say you've got six requests from uh, this one from Figment Docs to look at, and this from Notion Docs to look at, and this from da, da, da. And then it's it's all centralized. So I think it just becomes um, a lot easier to manage. I, I immediately get a sense of like just clarity when, when you're talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's clear, <laughs> but it's like a year of head bashing, right? Like I've been thinking about this from like June, July last year. Um, and we've gone for a whirlwind, but I think like every, what people would call a failure, we don't like if they knew the master plan, bro, like <laughs> you've got to validate these points and like, Reviews are one area which we work and we validate with you guys. And if we validate and move on, because like pre-seed is all about understanding what the elements that will take to get to product market fit and build a big business. Um, so I'd say we're using the round um, efficiently at the moment. And we just got to make sure like we continue learning. Like that is the one thing we optimize for. Um, what are the things we don't know? How can we learn very quickly? I have good mentors around me, right? Like, one of my mentors is also one of our investors, Rob Bishop. He sold his company to Twitter for like 150 million. He's the goat of product, bruv. He raised like a seed and then an A within like six months or seven months. Um, and I think he really understands. How, and then he went to lead product at Twitter for a bit. And um, I think he really understands like, how can you validate this in the most like minimum, smallest way? That doesn't take a lot of effort. So that you can find out your unknowns and then you can say, yeah, this is actually what we're building. Um, and this has data behind it. And I think to, to investors that shows, right? Like, you know what you're doing. Um, and like rate of learnings is what's going to help you win. Uh, and rate of execution tied together. Because um, you can't just learn and not execute. Because I think in order to learn, you have to execute. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um that's such a valuable piece of information because it's so much harder to do that. Um, and you read about it being done a lot. You read about this whole, you know, you need to do things iteratively and, and test your assumptions and break them down and go step by step. 
but it's so much harder to do that when you're actually doing it. And so, yeah, we don't have, bruv, we don't have, we don't have Excel spreadsheets of like experiments we want to run. We're just like, this is the vision. This is what we're focused on. Like, what are the other bits? Okay, let's tackle this one at, at the moment. Like, you, like, I don't know, man. Frameworks are like mega off-putting to me. Books are like mega off-putting to me now. Like, we don't follow frameworks. We don't, like, I don't, I don't read books. I read articles. I listen to podcasts. I speak to like people in the trenches, but like a bit further along, um, but other than that, I think like consistently going to books and frameworks. How do you keep track of all the data? Mixed panel. And, and all the experiments you're doing? So we like, cause we're only working with like three companies, um, well five to be precise, but we could have more, but we've chosen just to um, go with these. Um, like, it's either working or it's not like we don't need to like over document like there's three of us. Um, and so like, we don't really store experiments anywhere. There's not like 95%. It's a, so cause speaking with a guy called David, he was a guy who was a first growth hire at Airtable and then ran growth and scaled it from like zero revenue to like a hundred million. He's like, bruv, after five conversations, just trust your gut. And I think the gut is an underused organ uh, that humans uh, rarely rely upon, which should be because it's based on experience. When your gut feels like something's wrong, something is probably wrong. Um, when your gut feels like something's right, it's probably right um, to you. Uh, so yeah, we don't. To your to your question, we don't store like we store the work we're doing like as tickets on linear. Um, but experiments we don't right anyway. Okay, very interesting. Very, very interesting. I think that's quite different to what I've seen in the past personally. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We still like, again, like we've done like hundreds of landing pages and we've done bare versions. Like, but because we've been in the trenches, like we've all witnessed it and there's only three of us. So we know what feels right and what, what doesn't feel right. Um, and then we trust our gut and like, like sometimes that will be wrong. Right. And then we'll revert and then we'll be like, Oh, what did we learn from this? And we move forward. Um, maybe that's just the optimistic character I am. Uh, no, 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 I think, I, I think uh, it's a really interesting approach, man. And Danny, you're right. I think, I mean, there can be overkill with anything. And I actually want to circle back to your point that you were making about frameworks. You were saying that you don't really use frameworks in books. Um, did you ever use frameworks and books and then decide to stop using them or have you never used them? Bears. Okay. Bears. Right. Bruv, like first company, like trying to learn how to do everything and not knowing you think like these people who wrote these books and these frameworks know the answers. Like yeah. understand one thing and like I would probably get loads of stick for this, but I don't give a shit. Like <laughs> most authors should not write the books they write, bro. Like most authors should not say this is the way to build a company and this is how you why, use why this not? framework to find product market fit because because they have never found product market fit with a company that they owned. They've been in situations where they joined companies post PMF and then they use these frameworks and it works and OKRs and all this like big bullshit, bruv. Like a lot of stuff that works for corporates does not work for startups. And like it infuriates me to see like world winning book here and world winning author here and da 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 da. Like I used to love Marty Kagan, but like, this is gonna sound bad, but like he ain't built no company, he's built a consultancy, bruv. Like I think trying to build a startup with customers trying to actually change the world, like you need 
you need to trust your gut. You need to move fast. Yes, like you can, like for some frameworks can help, but I just, I rather trust people like who have built companies and ask for them what their experience was rather than trusting, trying to trust a guy I don't know. I think it was because I was quite insecure in myself. Like I didn't know the answer. So I felt like someone should have the answer, but like no one has the answer for your problems other than yourself. Um, or people have gone through that problem who you can actually speak to and speak and they can tell you about their experiences. So like, I, I do read and I listen a lot, but I listen to like other founders on podcasts and I like read articles from like first round review of people who have like actually done the shit. Or like if I need things on mental models, I'll use Farnham Street because um, they're the like masters of off a thingy but yeah man i think um i i genuinely think most people that write books uh should should not write books and actually i'd even go one step further i think most books can be summarized into articles um you often see the same point in books bashed over and over and over again yeah i've read a lot right if you look at my room right now it's stacked with books from the years of um building companies but having been in this game now for like eight years um, which is actually weird enough a long time, um, seven, eight years. Um, I try not to rely on books anymore. Um, Interesting. Cause that's really cool. Wow. I think, um, yeah, that, that's, that's really interesting. I feel like we could just dive into that and dissect that further and talk about that for another half hour, hour <laughs> of, you know, where does that innate want or desire or need just to just go toward books and experts where does that come from um but because i think it's virtual users bro huh? you should just be going to customers and users and learning from them like they're going to teach you yeah. way more than uh, about your product that you're building and problems you're solving than marty kagan or Teresa torres like ever would i just yeah. that's just my thoughts wow. um yeah, it's, that's, it's, it's a very good point. I sound like uh, a hater. I'm not trying no, to... No, 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 not at all. Something Dude, look, man, it, it's... And also, like, be yourself and speak your thoughts out, man. Like, quite frankly, fuck what everybody else thinks. Like, it's... Uh, not not it like you're not you're not being mean. Well, no, it's, <laughs> you're not being mean. You're not being harsh toward any, like any anyone. You're not exactly committing any crime. Like, it, I think um, I think there's too much. People are people are really trying to be very PC these days, um, and I think it's um, I think it can sometimes make the conversation worse and, and take away from the value that a lot of people have to add. So yeah, so like please don't be afraid, and maybe for people listening to this who might be honest in the future, don't be afraid to speak your thoughts as they are. That's that's, that's always welcome. Um, a lot of food for thought at it. Thank you so much. I'm I, every time I speak with you, I learn a lot, um, and and I think that's the that's yeah. a sign that you know like we're. The, the, this is a great conversation, genuinely. So thank you. Um, and yeah, I, I we will leave links for Ray Day in the description if you want, of course. If you want the... Uh, uh, yeah, just, check it out. rayday.co. Listen, Zach, Zach is also on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Zach writes some hilarious shit. Yeah. I write some like motivational stuff sometimes. Let me... ranty shit. Let me follow both of like, you. What, what, he just what wrote one, taking a break from Twitter. Mine is... Wait, his one's better than mine. Uh, I gave him this name though. Uh, mine is Adit Trivedi Seven, A D I T T R I V E D I Seven, and his is. <laughs> I gave him this name. He and this literally defines it. He is the Zach of all trades. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so that's two A C K, and then I think that's zero or O uh, F all trades. <laughs> yeah, that, that's so that's great. quite funny. Oh man, I dread to think. Okay, I will definitely check you both out and keep up with your with your posts. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add before we, as we come into a close, anything you want to add, anything you want to say to, uh, listeners also like any shout out you want to make, um, are you accepting more BT users right now or not? Or I don't, I don't know. Just, um, like, look, like we are taking more beta teams. You've got to be remote first. You've got to believe that asynchronous can be a solution to the mess that synchronous causes for work. Um, in a lot of instances anyways. Um, <clears throat> and I just say like. If there are people who are founders, just like, don't worry. <laughs> like, shit is fucking difficult. Even for someone who's a second-line founder that's done it successfully once, it, it's not... Like, I find it just as challenging. Uh, some days, like, I'm, like, I get a bit upset and, like, a bit anxious. And, like, other days I'm feeling, like, cloud nine. And then the next day it's, like, repeat. I think that's just a normal journey. And just, like, I think just know that, like, it's okay. And, like, if you continue learning and growing, like nothing will stop you but just like another thing I learned from Zach I learned a lot from him but like stop doing busy work like the only work you should be doing is like talking to your users and building shit and if it's not that like what you're doing you'd even potentially call this busy work but I kind of like doing this and I I like you so um great um but yeah no other than that just like just focusing on what matters and like if you're scared, like what's the worst that can happen? Either they ghost you and you've learned nothing. So you're at baseline anyways, or you've learned stuff and you're a few steps forward, which is great. So, so I think it's a win-win. Uh, so that, that, that's why I'd leave. I think the audience. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. We'll, uh, so yeah, message heard. And that's a reminder for me as well, definitely. And for everybody uh, who's listening. So, uh, thank you my friend we will be chatting again soon I'm sure of it brilliant man we'll catch up again soon my friend and really good to have you around again cool man you too man speak soon peace we hope that you liked the episode this podcast was sponsored by QFind a hiring platform that matches candidates with jobs and employers based on many factors that ensure longer term alignment it goes way beyond package and salaries and take into account much much more than that to ensure a happy working environment for everybody to find out more about this podcast and to see further releases we'll be announcing them at the at qfiles.io instagram page as well as on the qfiles.io website as well as from my own personal uh, instagram page and my own personal linkedin all information you need that we spoke about in the podcast or this information mentioned here will be mentioned below in the description so take a look visit those links and if you like anything or want to get in touch uh, please do and lastly stay tuned for more have an amazing week ahead of you